Cade Mila Falta. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world. Thanks for listening to the show. To support the podcast and letter, get lots of member-only features and follow Mike and Karina behind the scenes, go to aletterfromireland.com forward slash plus. That's aletterfromireland.com forward slash plus. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, everybody, and you're very welcome to the Letter from Ireland show. This is Mike Collins here, and today's episode is called Belfast City and County Antrim. And I think you can tell from that title exactly what we're going to be talking about today. Well, how about you? Have you ever been to County Antrim or perhaps Belfast City? Tucked away up there to the northeast of the island of Ireland, you are going to find one of the most fascinating places uh, in the world. You know, it's, it's, um, it's a place for me at least. You go there and it's still on the island of Ireland, so it feels so similar to so many other parts, be you in County Mayo, County Cork, uh, County Kilkenny or whatever, but yet it is so, so different at the same time. And I think that's what makes it interesting for lots of visitors to that part of the world. Of course, as well as that, many of the people listening to this podcast, their ancestors would have come either from County Antrim itself or perhaps lived in Belfast City at one stage before emigrating. So today, with a focus on that part of the world, we're going to share two letters, the first of which is called County Antrim, the most populated county in Ireland. And it goes all the way back into history and talks about the formation of the county and indeed a lot of the surnames and a lot of the families associated with that county. Following that then, we're going to focus in on the city of Belfast, tucked away there uh, in the corner of County Antrim just by the sea. And it's again one of the more fascinating cities in the world. We love going to Belfast, some of the friendliest people you'll ever meet anywhere, both in Ireland or anywhere in the world, we reckon at this point in time. Also, there's just so much to see and so much to do and so many places of cultural interest all around that part of the world. So we're going to chat about the making of Belfast itself, a little bit of the history, a little bit of how it came to be, and perhaps give you an insight as to what life might have been like for some of your ancestors in Belfast of the time. So I've chosen three tracks as well to see us through the entire episode. I think you're going to enjoy them. They all have an association with uh, places, in fact, in County Antrim. We have Carrickfergus, which is Carrickfergus Castle, based there just outside Belfast. And it's going to be sung by Brian Kennedy. We have My Lagan Love, of course, the River Lagan running through Belfast, and it's sung by Lisa Hannigan and accompanied by the Chieftains. But we're going to start off with this piece of music, which is The Green Glens of Antrim by Paddy Riley. Far across yonder blue Lies a true fairy land With the sea rippling over The shingle and sand Where the gay honey 
honeysuckle is luring the bee, and the green glens of Antrim are calling to me. Sure, if only you knew how the lamp of the moon turns a blue Irish vein to a silver lagoon, you'd imagine a picture of heaven. It could be. Where the green glens of Antrim are calling to me. Soon I hope to return to my own cushion. Tis the one place for me that can outshine them all. Sure, I know every stone. I recall every tree where the green glens of Antrim are calling to me. But I'd be where the people are simple and kind, and among them the one who's been in my mind. Sure, I'd pray that the world would in peace let me be. Where the green glens of Antrim are heaven to me. Do you know which Irish county had the highest population by the end of the 1800s? Well, the answer to that question is County Antrim located in the northeast of the island of Ireland. Top marks if you already knew that. Maybe some of your own Irish ancestors came from that county, County Antrim. I chose to tell you about County Antrim after receiving this note from Mary Carson. She's one of our Green Room members and Mary wrote to me saying the following. My ancestors left County Antrim about 1867. They were Carsons and they lived around the town of Antrim itself. Do you know when my Carson family might have arrived in that part of Ireland and where did they come from? Thank you, Mary Carson. Well, Mary, you are quite right to suggest that the Carson surname arrived in Ireland. So for the rest of this letter, we'll chat a little about the history of County Antrim the most numerous surnames in County Antrim, the surname Carson, and when your ancestors are likely to have arrived in Ireland. The most populated county in Ireland. 
County Antrim is one of 32 counties on the island of Ireland, and it was named after the town of Antrim, located on the shores of Loch Ney. Antrim Town received its anglicised name from the Irish word Aintrim, A-O-N-T-R-I-O-M, and Aintrim meant Lone Ridge. Most of the city of Belfast is located in County Antrim, which certainly accounts for some of its growing population by the early 20th century. Also, the County of Antrim is probably the most colonised county in Ireland, starting back in the 1400s onwards. And that has a lot to do with its proximity to Scotland. If you examine a map of Ireland and focus on the northeast coast of the island, especially around County Antrim, you'll notice how close the landmass of Ireland is to Scotland. At their closest points, Ireland and Scotland are no more than 12 miles apart. Move down the coast a little towards the city of Belfast and you'd be able to cross the 30 miles between Larne in Antrim and Stranraer in Scotland by ferry in just under two hours. This part of Ireland is much closer to the Galloway region of Scotland than it is to Dublin city. It's important to bear this in mind when we consider family surnames that made up much of the population of County Antrim. There was an easy movement back and forward between these parts of Ireland and Scotland for thousands of years. Indeed, the great kingdom of the Dalriada straddled the sea between the two landmasses, occupying several parts of western Scotland and northeast Ireland. The sea acted as an effective highway between the two parts of the kingdom. By the 1700s and the 1800s, It wasn't unknown to travel to Scotland in the morning to visit a relative or attend a business meeting or a religious ceremony and then to travel back home to Ireland later on the very same day. Now on to the surnames of County Antrim. By the time Ireland was considered for the planting of Protestant, English and Scottish families by the British administration in the 1500s, County Antrim had already been receiving settlers from the western parts and lowlands of Scotland. The population continued to grow as families arrived in Antrim to escape poor farming conditions, religious persecution and much more back in Scotland. Indeed, by the time the province of Ulster was divided into administrative counties in the 16th century, the counties of Antrim and Down had previously being carved out at a date unknown. So let's examine the effect of the influx of all of these Scottish and English families into County Antrim from the 1400s onwards. If we take a look at the 1901 census for County Antrim, which includes the city of Belfast, we see that it had the largest population of any county in Ireland, with 457,983 people. Dig a little deeper and we find the following surnames were the most numerous in County Antrim for 1901. So we'll start with the most numerous and work our way down. So we have Wilson, O'Neill, Johnson, Thompson, Campbell, Smith, Stewart, Moore, Robinson, Brown, Bell, Boyd, 
Graham, Martin, Kennedy, Hamilton, Miller, McGee, Murphy, Clark, McKeown, McDowell, Anderson, Craig, Montgomery, Hill and Hunter. Now, the surname Carson appears further down the list with 1,187 people back in the 1901 census. Now, there are some things worth noting. Apart from the Gaelic surnames of O'Neill, Kelly and Murphy, and maybe McKeown, all of the other family surnames we mentioned and that are listed are most likely to have arrived in Antrim from Scotland and England as settlers from the 1400s onwards. Antrim has one of the highest diversifications of surnames in Ireland. At the other extreme, you have counties like Tipperary, where you'll find Gaelic surnames like Ryan dominating the listing. But this reflects the fact that much of the population arrived in Antrim as individual settler families. By the time these settler families re-immigrated from Antrim to the colonies of America from the 1700s, their families had lived in Ireland for generations and they would have identified themselves as Irish on arrival in the colonies. Now, let's go back to Mary Carson's original question. Do you know when my Carson family arrived in that part of Ireland? Well, while the surname Carson sounds like a patronymic surname, in other words, it sounds like it might mean son of Charles, it is in fact believed to be a locative surname. It was first mentioned in Scotland about the year 1200 AD and belonged to a clan established in the region of Galloway. Remember, I mentioned that part of Scotland that was very close to the Antrim coast. So the Carson name was well established in that part of Scotland by the 1400s. And it is possible that Mary's Carsons arrived in Ireland any time from about the mid-1400s onwards. One thing is probable. The Carsons, at least in the early days, would have travelled back to Scotland on a regular basis to attend extended family gatherings. But they probably lost touch with their Scottish cousins as the years went on. Finally, to answer a question Mary did not ask, but one I often get asked, is Carson an Irish surname? My answer? Well, the name obviously has roots in Scotland, but reflect on the fact that Mary's Carsons may have been in Ireland all the way back from 1400s to the 1800s. I think they would have identified as many things and being Irish was probably one of them. What do you think? Thank you to Mary for sharing her family surname question. And I hope Mary discovers more on her own Irish Carson family as she progresses with the many green room resources and, of course, with the help of our in-house green room genealogists. Good luck to you, Mary. Bye.
deepest ocean The deepest ocean For my love to find But the sea is wide And I cannot swim over Nor have I The wings to fly But I wish I could find A handsome boatman To ferry me over To my love and I My childhood days Bring back sad reflections Of happy times I spent so long ago my boyhood friends and my own relations have all passed on now like melting snow but I'll spend my days in endless roaming Soft is the grass My bed is free Hard to be back now In Carrickfergus On that long road Down to the sea It is reported There are marble stones As black as ink With gold and silver I would support her But I'll sing no more young men and
the timeless ballad there of Carrick Fergus, sung by a man with a timeless voice, uh, Brian Kennedy, who is actually from County Antrim himself. So we've had a tour around the county of Antrim itself, and now we're going to go to that city tucked away there to the southeast of the county, the city of Belfast, of course. Uh, We're going to chat about the making of Belfast, how it came to be, and maybe a little bit more about what life might have been like for some of our shared Irish ancestors. So over to you, Karina. Did any of your Irish ancestors live in an Irish city? Many of the cities like Dublin, Cork, Limerick, Wexford and Waterford were founded originally as ports for winter layovers by the Vikings but they grew up over time into trading hubs that attracted many of our shared Irish ancestors from the countryside that surrounded the cities. But Belfast was an exception. It was founded as a commercial trading port in the 1600s. While we're often asked to help source records for your Irish ancestors in the green room, we're also often asked too, what life might have been like for their ancestors at the time. What were the historical events that affected a place where an ancestor lived? What were the social and economic pressures of the time that caused them to leave one place and go to another, or in fact emigrate for good? Before we look a little closer at the history and development of Belfast, have you seen the movie called Belfast? It was written by Kenneth Branagh, a native of Belfast himself, who moved to England with his family when the Troubles began there in the late 1960s. Belfast, the film, has received wonderful reviews. Despite feeling a might cheerful at times for those of us who remember the dark days of the 1970s and 80s in that part of the world. Recently, I noticed such an exchange between Colleen, one of our Green Room members, and Jane McGarvey, our Ireland-based Green Room genealogist. You see, Colleen wanted to learn more about the place where her Irish ancestors once lived, the city of Belfast. And who better to answer than Jane McGarvey, our Green Room genealogist, who was born in Belfast and lives just outside the city today. So over to Colleen and Jane and have a listen to Jane's summary of the establishment and growth of her home city of Belfast. Colleen put the following to Jane. My second great my second grandfather, Thomas McCurry, is from Antrim County, somewhere around Belfast. Since he is Roman Catholic, I've wondered about my former belief that he was transplanted here from Scotland via the Ulster Plantation. I thought that the English transported Protestants only, as they wanted to make Northern Ireland primarily Protestant. The other possibility is that he was Roman Catholic and was driven out of Belfast area because of religious persecution, besides hunger, and dreamt of a better life in Canada. I'd like to hear Jane McGarvey's comments on this and give me the bigger picture so I could understand the Ulster plantation a little better. And here's what Jane McGarvey replied. Hi Colleen, the name Belfast is an anglicisation of the Gaelic words Bale Ferishta, which mean mouth of the sandy ford. 
The town of Belfast didn't exist until 1609, when King James began a policy of settling English and Scots families in the province of Ulster. Sir Arthur Chichester was granted land in Ulster around Belfast Castle. This was originally built by the Normans in the 1100s, and he then rebuilt it in 1611. And a small town soon grew up in the shadow of this castle. In in 1611, there was a combination of Englishmen, Scots and Manx men, those from the Isle of Man, all living in the newly thriving community of Belfast. By 1613, Belfast was made a corporation and soon afterwards it sent two members to Parliament. However, this corporation remained partly controlled by the Chichester family, who were the lords of the manor. Belfast was run by an official called a sovereign who was assisted by 12 burgesses or merchants. Each year, the burgesses drew up a short list of three of themselves and then Chichester chose one to be the sovereign. He really kept the control there, didn't he? In 1660, Belfast is reported as having five streets, five lanes and 150 houses. Six years later, 204 houses were recorded and rated for hearth money. That's a tax, I guess, on the hearths of the home. The penal laws were established in the early 1700s and certainly did affect Belfast. Initially, Catholics were excluded from living in the town and there was an exclusion of Catholics from most public offices. Presbyterians were also barred from public office from 1707, and this caused a bit of a stir in Belfast, as the majority, I think 10 out of 12 Burgesses, were Presbyterian, and they all had to resign their posts. The 1732 census of the Barony of Belfast recorded 4,532 Protestants and just 340 Roman Catholic families. In the late 1700s, the Presbyterians and Church of Ireland took up special collections at their services specifically to raise funds for the building of the first Catholic church in Belfast, St. Mary's, which still stands today. And it celebrated its first Mass on the 30th of May, 1784. Even in the early days, Belfast was a busy little trading port, And the early port books offer a fascinating insight into the vast array of goods that came and went via its small docks. The place acted as a magnet and it drew people from many other parts of the island and swelled further with a group of French Protestants, known as Huguenots, who fled persecution in their own country in the late 17th century. The Huguenots are attributed with bringing linen production to the city. The linen was woven in people's homes and the surrounding countryside, not in factories at the time. In 1701, less than 200,000 yards of linen was exported from Belfast. But 70 years later or so, by 1773, the figure had risen from 200,000 yards to 17 million yards of linen being exported. Cotton spinning was introduced into Belfast in 1777 and the White Linen Hall was built in 1788. 
The Belfast Ballast Board, later to become the Belfast Harbour Commissioners, was set up in 1785 and they immediately began the process of straightening the river lagging that flowed through the city. William Ritchie, a shipbuilder from Ayr in Scotland, visited in March of 1791 with a view to new business opportunities and he returned later that year with 10 skilled workers and his younger brother Hugh to open a shipyard on the site of the old Lime Killen Dock, which later became Clarendon Dock Number 1. The records show that there were less than 10 skilled carpenters in Belfast at this time. All that soon changed, of course. Belfast became a major shipbuilding centre within the Empire, which included the building of the ill-fated Titanic in the early 1900s by Harland and Wolfe shipbuilders. But Belfast continued to grow and did not become a city till 1888. Northern Ireland, as a separate state from the Republic of Ireland, did not exist until 1921. If you'd like some help to look more closely at your own family and what was happening for them, why not pop over to Ask the Genealogist section of the Green Room Forum, Colleen, and we can take a look in more detail about what you know and what you'd like to find out. I hope you find this bigger picture of our shared ancestral city, Belfast, useful. Jane. Well, thank you very much to Colleen and Jane for that exchange. It's always fascinating, isn't it, to get an insight into the major forces that shape a city over the centuries. And just to see how some of those forces may have affected our own ancestors. And I'm sure Colleen got a very good view of things there. How about you, though? Did any of your Irish ancestors live or travel through the city of Belfast in Ireland? Sings
My Lag and Love song there by Lisa Hannigan. Beautiful voice, hasn't she? And accompanied by the Chieftains. And uh, that brings us to the end of today's show, all about the County Antrim and the City of Belfast. I hope you enjoyed it, especially if any of your people came from that most fascinating and most beautiful part of the island of Ireland. And uh, as always, I would ask you, if you did enjoy today's show, please do leave a review uh, wherever you might be at the moment. You might be in a forum or you might be in Apple Podcasts or a different podcast player. But again, we'd love to hear what you think of the show. So a review or a positive in between, whatever you choose, would be most, most welcome. And as I said, that's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening. And thank you very much for Karina earlier on reading out those letters. So until we chat again next week, this is Mike Collins saying Slán for now. If you've enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show, we'd like to invite you to check out our special membership area, the Green Room. You hear us mention it a lot during the show and you can find full details of the Green Room at letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. Our green room is the essential resource for anybody at any stage in researching their Irish heritage. 
because it's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and really connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. In the green room, you get access to online genealogists, extensive research to tools, quick win training, as well as member-only access to johngrenham.com and a very supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice. The green room is the perfect place to be for anybody starting or continuing their Irish ancestry search. So why don't you come and join us there at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. That's it for me, but I'll be back next time with another installment of the Letter from Ireland show. And I really look forward to chatting to you then. Slán gafól, Karina. Karina.